My fellow warriors. I promise. I promise. I promise. I promise. I promise to be of service to you. 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 And to allow you. To allow you to be of service to me. To be of service to me. And to allow you to be of service to me. And I will allow you to be of service to me. Until both you and I defeat this demon that assails us. Until both you Until and both I you successfully defeat and this demon I successfully defeat this demon that assails us. Successfully defeat this demon that assails us. Successfully defeat this demon that assails us. I have been given the tools to win. 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 I have all the tools that I need to win this week, and I will win. And I. I have been given the tools to win. And I will win. And I will win. And I will win. We are here to tell you you are not alone. You are not broken. You have not gone too far in the wrong direction. You just tried a different path. And somewhere along that path, you lost a part of yourself. And that addiction, that trauma, that pain came in and it filled the gap. And you had to learn the hard way. You had to grow through adversity. You had to fight to find out who you really are and what you really believe in. See, real change is not about going back. Back there, there are only old habits and hidden pain. Your change comes in the direction you choose to face. So right now, choose to win. Wipe those tears of defeat from your face and get up. We need you. So don't you quit. Don't you dare quit. You keep going. One step at a time, you make that climb and you do it for you. You do it because you are worth fighting for. And one day you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to smile and love the person you see because you will be the person God always intended you to be, a better you, a recovered you. Hello, hello, and welcome to another, uh, what I guarantee will be a fantastic, phenomenal, amazing, and double, actually double amazing episode of Recovering You. I, my, <laughs> I'm already being laughed at by my, um, my guests on the show right now. I, I don't know how much they've actually listened to my show However, uh, just to just to get right into this. So I have two very special, amazing guests on my show today. And what we're talking about is something that I'm 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 completely unfamiliar with. So this is going to be a lot less of me talking, which will be a lot better for, I think, for a lot of people, because they tend to get a lot more out of the guests that come on my show, especially with uh, and quick shout out last week, uh, Nate. Uh, I don't know if you two listened to that episode that came out on on Sunday, uh, but his his story still just has left me in in shock about what he went through. And it, it really has just blown up and done so well and is getting such positive feedback. And so just another shout out and big thanks to Nate for coming on the show and sharing such an, a, an intense and vulnerable story. And I, I know today will will be no different. I. As I said, uh, I'm not real familiar with the topic that we are bringing on, but I've got two amazing women on my show today that I have a personal history with. Um, so I'm going to give them kind of my introduction of how I know them real quick, just uh, briefly, and then I'll let them introduce themselves a little bit and we will get into our topic. So first I've got uh, Miss Kyra Hansen. So Kyra was a sister missionary 
in Georgia when my wife and I were living there. Now, she didn't know this at the time, but I was like uh, neck deep in my addiction at this time. I hit it pretty well, <laughs> but uh, we we had the sisters over all the time. And it's actually the only I'm going to sound really bad in saying this. It's the only time we've really connected with sister missionaries was actually with with you, <laughs> Sister Kyra Hansen. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. No, and and because of that, when we moved to uh, Arizona, we found out that uh, Kyra was going to be here as well. We had her and her husband over, and uh, and and your child, right? Yes, you had had your baby by at that point, yeah. And um, just uh, we've stayed in touch and stayed friends on Facebook. And, you know, through social media while she has continued on her journey. However, I did not know that you struggled with the topic that we're going to get into today. So uh, can't wait to hear that story. And then I have uh, also the, the lovely dancer, Miss Danica Malant. And did I did I say your last name correctly? Malant? I am very impressed. Yes. yes. Malant. Yeah, Malant. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So Danica and I have a <laughs> very long, long history of, we actually were on the same uh, dance team in college together. So she, we were like brother and sister when we were on tour and when we were on the dance team. So she called me her ginger and I called her my gister. So I got my gister on the podcast <laughs> and I am so excited about that because uh, Danica, you have always been someone who has been very authentic and real and you never pulled any punches when we would talk and we had a couple pretty amazing conversations when we were on the dance team i was just starting to get into recovery but i remember those long bus rides on tour uh you were like my favorite person to sit by you oh, you and you. you and camry you and camry were my two favorite people to hang out with and just because of your positivity and your, your kindness and i'm just i'm very grateful for both of your friendships and the influence that you've had in not only my life, but in the lives of my family as well. So thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for being a part of my life. Y'all are amazing. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks. I always know how to butter the bread before when I, when I get my, uh, when I get my guests on the podcast here. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, I do. <laughs> So we're, uh, what we're going to be talking about today is we're actually going to get into some uh, stories about postpartum depression, which is why I have zero experience with this. My wife didn't really ever struggle with this much. We, we had our own struggles with, with children, and, but I think our bigger struggles were more with my addiction and my emotional absence and how hard that was on her and having to raise a brand new child while having a husband who was constantly relapsing and there was no trust there. And there was a lot of unfaithfulness and it was really, really hard. So, but I've told that whole side of the story and everyone on my podcast knows that side of the story. However, we've never talked about PPD. And so um, I would love to just kind of get your own backgrounds and personal stories of what PPD was for you and how you found out that, that you had PPDs. Um, Kyra, why don't, why don't you uh, jump in first and give us a little bit of your background? Yeah. Okay. So let's see. In 2017, I got married and in 2019, I had my first child. Um, I was a little bit afraid of, po of postpartum depression because we had depression in my family. So I went and saw a therapist beforehand to kind of set up, you know, the road work. And uh, I'm glad I did that. But at the same time, it didn't do much. I didn't take it to heart. And so I ended up three months was great. My first three months with my 
oldest was amazing bliss and then I just crashed and when I say crashed I mean I was frustrated I was the crying spells I was just sad this empty feeling it was a total it was empty it that's like the biggest thing was I just felt so empty and not knowing how yeah I didn't know how to love or or do so I just did what a mom should do I fed him I cared for him I tried to play with him you checked the box. I was spent. Yes. Yeah. And, I, mm. and then that would make you feel like a horrible mom. So then I'd cry some more because I <laughs> give him that love. Um, and there were nights, quite a few nights, it got super bad to the point of suicidal thoughts. And I remember one night my son and husband were sleeping on the bed and I went into my son's room, but he wasn't in there, obviously. And just, um, I got the hotline ready to call and just cried poured my heart out to heavenly father and was just like i need something i don't know um but i'm i'm done i don't know and then all the all of a sudden i could just see my child he was about six months at this time and i knew he would just be confused and he was so separation anxiety was huge at that point so i knew he'd be confused wondering where mom was looking around for constantly and i couldn't do that and um that's when I decided to, oh no, that's not when I decided to, I didn't really decide. My mom came and visited and saw one of my episodes where I wouldn't let my husband touch me. I punched a wall. And, um, oh, so the next day geez. we called, we went to call, yeah, we went to call, um, a psychiatrist and that's when that really helped, uh, happened. No, that did not happen or help. That's when that started with my recovery. And then I got pregnant again. <laughs> and, <laughs> So I don't really know if that one ever recovered, but looking at your husband, like you jerk, I just got over this stuff and you got me pregnant again. Oh, no. Um, and that one, I didn't quite know I had postpartum depression until I was talking to my friend and just telling her how frustrated I was. I was so angry. It wasn't sad. I was hardly crying. I was hardly sad. I was just angry at everything. Yes. And she's like, um, that's also postpartum depression yeah. and that's yeah so that was that's the intro to the story okay so so real quick just uh, just jumping back i i want to i want to go back to that moment that you said you, you just kind of went in the bathroom and you know you were ready to call the hotline um so i i that gave me chills by the way of, of just like not only like, wow, like to, to get to that point, I, I, I've been at that point as well, just like realizing, like, I, I just, I can't anymore. Like the world would be better off without me. I just, I have nothing left to give. I'm completely, I'm an empty vessel, uh, you know, and just all those negative self thoughts come into your mind. But what, what I think was a beautiful thing that you pointed out was you were essentially given this amazing I, I don't know, call it revelation, call it a, a, a personal vision of what your child's life would have been like without mom. And that that was what kind of sparked this, um, even if it was just for a brief moment, this moment of feeling, because you said you weren't able to feel anything, but in that moment, would you say like that ignited something that you're like, no, I finally, <laughs> I finally felt something again. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That definitely was like, I need to start fighting. Yeah. I, that was my rock bottom, I guess. Oh man, I, gosh, wow! Thank you, thank you for sharing that. Um, okay, and then, uh, and then 
you had your other child and it was just, it was angered, but, but the suicidal thoughts didn't really come back. So it was, it was a completely different manifestation. Uh, yeah, the suicidal thoughts did come back. Um, there was one night that I put on Facebook and was just for a cry for help. Just like, is it anyone up and can help talk me out? Cause or talk me down. Cause my husband was asleep and my mom actually came in. <laughs> was like, why are you writing that on Facebook? Uh, you should be happy. And I have a baby. So I took it down. But within those three, five minutes of that being up, I had people reach out to me and. Wait, 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 wait. Were, um, were you really told you should be happy? You have a baby. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. No, that is oh, that is mm, so mm -hmm. toxic, so hard. And I'm so sorry wow Ooh, really difficult yeah and that yeah that was obviously something that kept beating i know i should be happy no so I so we yeah. we have a very common saying on this podcast that we don't should on ourselves okay so should is a swear word on this podcast and we avoid using it because of how toxic it is for us to think that way it's an immediate comparison that put that belittles ourselves and shows us where we're not meeting our expectations so yeah. So just for, for those listeners, remember, as soon as you start thinking, I should, I should be better. I should be more successful. I should be a better spouse. I should be a better parent. You need to stop shooting on yourself and <laughs> yeah, you should 100%. stop shooting on yourself. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Danica, you, okay. you, uh, yeah, jump I, I in, jump hand. in here. I raised my hand there yeah, because, um, somebody told me that, should is someone else's agenda and for Ooh. one of the things I mean I and I really appreciate and I'm honored by you saying that you feel like I've always been very authentic I strive to be so authentic with myself and with other people and so should that is somebody else's agenda and it just rubs me so the wrong way so I love that um just another <laughs> don't shit on yourself because yeah. it's the worst <laughs> um Okay, so I am a mom of two, um, and before I had my first baby, okay, I have, and Cameron, you might not actually believe this when I say this, I have a, an extensive history with anxiety and depression, extensive. Um, there were probably moments when we were on tour together and when we were dancing together, um, that you probably didn't know it, but I was going home and thinking about killing myself and thinking about ending my life. Um, and this is a, this is something I've fought my entire life. I like, I was like 10 or 11, the first time that I can remember having a thought that the world would be a better place without me in it. Um, so depression is not new to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so before I had my first daughter, um, my mom gave me the best piece of advice. And when she said this, I don't think she understood what it would be for me and for my children. Um, because for me, my postpartum depression manifests as rage. Um, and before I had my daughter, my mom just said, remember, honey, neglect is better than abuse. It is mm. better to put your screaming child down in the crib where they are safe and walk away for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes while they're screaming 
and come back when you're in an okay space to take care of them where they won't, where you won't have those, like, unfortunately, shaken baby syndrome is a thing for a reason. Um, well, and, and, so, and they're not developing a fear of their parent. Right. And so that piece of advice for me was so huge. Um, because my first daughter, she was very colicky, colicky. And so we had a lot of sleepless nights. We had a lot of nap times that didn't happen. Um, and in that period of time, when she was screaming and completely inconsolable, I would just like have this rage boil up inside of me. And just my mom's voice in the back of my head neglect is better than abuse neglect is better than abuse neglect is better than abuse and i would just repeat that to myself all day and all night neglect is better than abuse and um i did not know and here's here's what i would say about postpartum depression i am no expert i'm very honored to have the opportunity to share my story about it um i know that i'm not an expert but the complete lack of education is something that needs to change because I had no idea. I had no idea that postpartum depression could manifest as rage. And so for me, I'm like, Oh, I'm not that sad. Like, it's fine. Like, you know, my body's weird and my hormones crazy and like, like it is what it is. But like that, like lava that rage that just boiled inside of me that like I just felt so broken and I was like I've never felt this way before I'm not an angry person I mean and and that's what I would just keep telling myself I'm not an angry person why am I feeling this way I can't control this um and so it was very isolating I felt very broken um and I was I was confused, honestly, um, because I love my children and I promise they're safe, (laughs) but there would be moments that I would like literally have this urge to hurt them or to do something to, to make it stop. And again, I love my children. They're both healthy. They're both happy. Everybody's safe. We're all good. Um, and, and I was able to, rec- or I am able to recognize retrospectively that what I was experiencing with her was postpartum depression. Um, but I, I didn't know. And for months, months, I didn't know. And I never got help. And so when I had my second daughter, um, I had learned a little bit more about postpartum depression and the way that it can manifest itself. And um, so when I had my second, I pretty much right away was like, "Mm, this isn't normal. This isn't right. I shouldn't be feeling this way. Um, And I remember one day and I actually, with my second, I mourned more than I did with my first. I really, um, it was more of like a grieving morning sadness um, manifestation. There's still so many layers of anger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's still so-, so many layers of anger there, but I, I remember one day just 
being like, I can't, this, this isn't right. And I picked up the phone. I called my doctor. I said, Hey, I need to get in and I need to get in within 24 hours. I need to be medicated because I'm not okay. You had a question. Uh, I was, well, <laughs> sorry, my, my <laughs> mind is just a little blown right now. And <laughs> I mean, I, I, I sit here and I, I, I talk to addicts all the time and I, I hear their stories and, you know, their stories always amaze me. And there's just a different level of, I mean, just awe and respect and humility for, for what mothers go through. Um, but, but what I, what I, what I wanted to point out, and then I'll, I'll get into my question was just what I find so amazing is the strength that both of you had to in a, in a time of crisis that instead of saying, a, I'm going to end it for myself or B, I'm going to end it for my child. You know, that that violence could have manifested toward abuse or violence toward your child, that you both had the strength to say, I have to seek help now. And it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't, I'm going to act out. It's, I need help. I, I need to put up on Facebook and you were not wrong for doing that, you know, and Facebook, you know, people always say never post on Facebook. It's not good. It doesn't do any, it doesn't do any good. However, I believe in times like that, even someone who is a little more ignorant in helping, if they are willing to lend an ear and allow you to just talk, sometimes that's all you need. And that's not, that's not a wrong thing to do. So I applaud you for that. And then Danica reaching out to a, a doctor and saying, Within the next 24 hours, you don't understand yeah. like how dangerous I am to myself right now. That level of self-awareness is, yeah. it, it's something that I believe is truly God-given. It oh, is, yeah. and, I, and I believe it is given much more to mothers than it is to men, much more to women than it is to men. Because most men, their reaction typically in a time like that is, why would I reach out? Nobody cares. Mm. And they would rather isolate and suffer in silence Mm -hmm. And it takes so much strength to reach out. So I applaud both of you for, for doing that. Um, what I, what I was going to ask was, I, I guess that's that other manifestation I had never heard of was actually was grieving at, I mean, this, this beautiful life that has come into your life. I, sorry. And, and I'm going to backtrack again. I have heard the whole excuse of Oh, it's just your hormones, the write-off of hormones. That's what oh I've heard gosh, from more right? people. I think that is the number one thing that I've heard is like, <laughs> it's just your hormones, hon. Like you're gonna be fine. And and that's what I what I believe when you said there just needs to be more awareness, more education on this. Mm -hmm. Stop blaming it on hormones. It is yeah. much more dangerous than that. So I love that you pointed that out. And then uh yeah, Kyra. So my, one of my therapists uh, with Asher, with Levi, with Levi, my therapist told me, sure, hormones, yeah, of course, your body's like trying to just, but then you're not sleeping. Mm -hmm. You're probably not eating. <laughs> yeah. So your body's completely like the basic thing. And then, of course, the whole isolation of just being a new mom and what the heck is happening with all that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, when she validated all that for me, I remember just feeling so seen. Mm -hmm. so I was like, yes, it's not just, it's so much more than just my hormones are, yes, we yeah. all have that. Yeah. yeah. And definitely that nobody, nobody talks about this stuff. Like, no. oh, it's hard. I'll get over it. Well, and then I didn't. 
Yeah. And then we live in this like whole social media perfect world where like oh, I, geez. Here I we go. was in oh I know. <laughs> oh, we're man. gonna open this. Here we go. Work. Let's go. <laughs> I was in a phase of life where I kid you not, it seems like everyone and their mom had a baby of the same thing as me. Mm. And it seriously was like I had 10 different friends that all have a baby within like two months of my daughter. And so I'm seeing all of their beautifully perfect lives and how happy they are to be a mom and motherhood's the best and all sunshine and butterflies and all of these wonderful things. And we went for a walk today and look, she's rolling over and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, we see the best parts of everybody else's lives and we only see the worst in ours. And so like, I am comparing myself at, my daughter is teething at nine months. I'm living in my mother-in-law's house and I'm up in the middle of the night with a screaming baby with a husband who has to get up at five o'clock in the morning to get to work the next day. And we're in one tiny little bedroom because we're living in my in-laws. They were wonderful. I'm so grateful that they gave us that opportunity, but it was hard. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like holding the screaming child thinking, I just want to put you outside and let, <laughs> let you figure it out on your own. <laughs> like in the middle of the night, all I could think was if I could just put her down outside in the backyard there's a water feature. Maybe she'll drown. Like, I kid you not. Again, my children are safe. They are loved. They are cared for. I know that it was postpartum depression speaking those lies to me. But I remember sitting there and thinking those things and getting on Facebook or Instagram the next morning and seeing my friends and their beautiful babies and their perfect lives and thinking, what the hell is wrong with me? Yeah. And, and I am and, the scum of the earth. Uh, like I do not deserve to live if I have these thoughts and feelings. And, and I love that you pointed that out because what, what we need to recognize is those perfect lives we see on social media. As soon as that camera is not pointed at them and they're not posing for that picture, odds are 75% of those women that had kids and were having these perfect little like children and lives were then walking into their house wondering how they were going to make it through another day, wondering how, like how they could even accomplish this whole motherhood thing. And that they just didn't, they didn't feel like they were capable anymore and that they were depressed and they were mad at their husbands and they were mad at their child and something was taken from them. They lost a part of themselves and they didn't know how to get it back. And there was all this uncertainty, but Hey, when the camera's pointed at you, you smile and you say, life is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I hate the lie that that social media does for us. So you know, when, when you, uh, you know, make it real, when you look at social media, you know, and you see someone's beautiful family say, that is a beautiful picture. How are you really doing? You know, like, mm -hmm. and, and it's okay to ask that in your head because that humanizes things. It's yeah. not casting doubts and saying, I don't think you're really this happy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, I love that you're able to have these happy moments. And I also know you're a real person that's probably going through it right now. Mm -hmm. So, uh, when we reach out to people and stuff, you know, don't always, don't always, uh, be a hater and stuff like that. Recognize that people have their own hard lives and man. Yeah. Just thank, thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Kyra, yeah. you, uh, you looked like you had something you wanted to say. Oh no. On the opposite side of that, when I did reach out or my post, I'm pretty sure all my posts was like, 
I'm struggling. <laughs> I don't think I should have got it ever. Um, yeah. And oh, there's so many things that I want to say to this. So one was that I was having a hard time reaching out. Cause when you do say that you're having a hard time, other people just kind of skim past mm-hmm. you. Like it's nothing. I mean, obviously I don't go to people. I'm like, Hey, I just thought about killing myself last night. Can we talk about it? Which maybe I should have, I don't know, but just saying like, I'm not, enjoying this as much as I should mm-hmm. I wasn't getting the response like they were not willing to talk to me or maybe they didn't know how to approach it because yeah. I didn't know how to approach it so that was fair too but it was really isolating in that sense as well of who do I go to who do I talk to who who's right. someone to there is just soundboard bounce off there's so much fear behind vulnerable conversations especially when someone's struggling with their own demons to then have the strength to be like okay, I, I'm in my own personal hell right now, but I guess I can try and take on this person, this person's burdens as well. No, that doesn't happen. They say, I'm sorry you're going through it, but so am I. I just didn't put it on social media. And that's kind of their reaction. And it's not a selfish thing. It's a, it's a, a fearful thing. It's a natural survival instinct to say, I have to protect me and my own. I'm dealing with my own stuff. We're just trying to get by right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, again, thank oh, man. There are resources out there there are, and, yeah. and that's why, so in a past episode, we, uh, we spoke to Steven, which Danica, you know, Steven as well, mm-hmm. a good friend of both of ours. Um, he talked about finding your five. And for those of you that didn't listen to that, I highly recommend it's the episode called we need to talk. And the, the lesson in there is so invaluable. It's so precious that you need to find those people that number one, you know that they're going to they're they're going to be there for you. Number 2, you know that their advice is going to come from a place of love, not a place of selfishness or judgment. Um, you know, and and that number 3, they've got enough stuff figured out that you know, you, you won't for instance, a brand new addict would not ask another brand new addict to sponsor them because that person does not have their crap figured out. They they just don't. You go to someone who has higher numbers, has it figured out, has a positive outlook and is dealing with things well. For PPD, this is why talking about it is such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Put it out there, be be vulnerable, maybe not on social media, but put it out there when you feel the time is right in a conversation. If you are close to someone and say, I really struggle with this, you would probably be very surprised to have them say, I did too. And be like, and we, we both kind of wait. So we're both doing okay. All right. I just found one out, one of my five right now. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I know I can count on this person. So yeah, thank you for pointing that out. Awesome. Awesome points. Okay. I, I want to jump into our next question here. Um, and I, I don't know, this might be kind of similar to what we were just talking about, but how, how did others either support you and, and help you get through it? Or did you kind of get the opposite reaction of, and I know we just kind of talked about this a little bit with you, Kyra, what the point you just brought up, but did you almost find rejection in saying like, oh, you, you have PPD and this kind of goes back to the whole, oh, it's just your hormones. That would be a rejection or uh, denying your suffering and your struggles. Did, did anyone have any amazing support or rejection or difficult rejection stories that, that come to your mind? Um, for my second child, I had a huge support. Um, one of my friends has just, she's just had a hard life. I mean, health issues of, after depression, after her uncle and cousin um, committed suicide, after just things on top of each other. Oh, and she was pregnant at the same time I was, and we would talk and her being a close friend I 
confided her in, in things and she accepted me. So after Ash was born, I went deeper, you know, these things I'm not like all my rage and she's the one that pointed out that I had postpartum depression with him as well and it's manifesting itself in rage and it was so nice because like Danica I don't it's you love your children and that's one thing I feel like postpartum depression yeah that gets so skewed is that people are like oh wait you don't love your child you don't love your children what kind of mother are you it's like no it's not it has nothing to do with that in particular it's, it is just what's happening all in my body yeah mm-hmm. in my mind um and so it was nice because she I could tell the worst things and I knew she didn't think that I was a bad mom or that I was feeling it specifically towards my child it was it's is happening to me so tell me what you're feeling let's talk about it and then we always end up laughing and I was over whatever I was feeling so it was nice because yeah like oh I love that neglect is better than abuse that yes that is should be uh, <laughs> and that should be like in every banner. delivery room yes yes. Yes. <laughs> yes neglect has its own issues too but like at the yeah, end yeah. of the day when like those are your choices as a mom like neglect yeah, and just like yeah. where we're at now I mean I don't know where you are but I know for me I'm at a good place now where I can love my children I don't have to neglect them and I don't have to abuse them right so it does get better it's just at that moment you're kind of in survival mode mm-hmm. absolutely and I feel like for me I was in an environment where um the majority of my cohort did not actually believe in mental health um the majority of the people around me um did not believe that anxiety is real or depression is real um and I would frequently hear them say oh that person is just begging for attention oh they are just making that up because they are and I I didn't say anything about my struggle um with my first daughter because I was in that environment where I knew that I would be rejected if I said hey you know what this motherhood thing (laughs) this motherhood thing sucks so bad (laughs) like I hate this why did I sign up for this why did I think that I wanted this like this was garbage and I didn't feel like I could share the way that I was feeling and so um because I didn't have really that ability to openly talk about it, um, I would lash out and I would lash out at my husband and I bless his sweet heart. There are so many days that I'm like, I don't know how he stayed around because I would say the worst things to him because it was what I was saying to myself all day and all night and had nobody to validate the fact that motherhood is hard it's the hardest shit you'll ever do like and to add the postpartum depression layer on it which again I was living in this like pseudo world where I didn't see that anybody else could possibly be struggling with it um it's like it just is so like I'm so proud of myself for getting through that yeah. But I wish 
And what I hope for is that someone doesn't have to go through it the way that I did. Yeah. Well, I love what you said prior when you said that you called your doctor and was like, I need something paper. I, I wish I did that. Um, I know I said something bad about my mom when what she said, but she was also the support with Levi. She's the reason that I saw a psychiatrist in the first place. Yeah. Um, when with the depression I had, postpartum depression I had with Levi, I didn't want to. Some people say it's laziness. Obviously, when you have depression, you know it's not lazy. It's just <laughs> you don't have that energy. Yeah. yeah so frustrating but my mom after seeing she's like hey we're gonna call and get you a psychiatrist and we call she called it was all her because i i i just couldn't i just sat there and good job mom yes yes so she called i kid you not over 30 people 30 psychiatrists she called and they couldn't get me in within three months are you kidding me over 30, yes. Girl, it at that point, terrible. just call your OBGYN and they will get you <laughs> on something tomorrow. Okay? Now I know. See, and that's, that's beautiful. Yes, I had no idea call your OBGYN. They'll do it. <laughs> so everybody on this podcast, please take this advice. Because I had no idea. Yeah. So we, we finally found someone and I went to her and I cried to her saying that I didn't want to end my life because of my baby. And I'm here crying in tears, and she's just, mm-hmm. okay, well, this is a prescription. Thank you. And I know ne- oh, that just, oh, I didn't go back to her. I just got her filling my prescription for a few more months. Um, but I didn't want to go back to her. I didn't like her. And, um, and then that's another thing. To find a good person, you have to keep looking for someone that matches mm-hmm. with you. So it shocked me. It seriously shocked me that in 2017, about 47,000 people have committed suicide and it was shocked me that it was so low if that is how our system works our healthcare system yeah, yeah. well yeah and and that really just validates the point and and something that you know needs to be emphasized here is it's okay to get medications it, it's mm-hmm. it's okay to have a prescription that helps your body regulate those things that are out of balance there's nothing wrong with that yep. so yeah just emphasizing that again, it is okay to take medication to balance out your hormones, to balance out the, I mean, because things happen to our bodies and it doesn't produce the dopamine. It doesn't produce the serotonin, the oxytocin, the the adrenaline, whatever it is that our bodies need. If it's not being produced, that's why we have the medications. It doesn't mean that you are broken or damaged in any way. It just means you need a little bit of help and that's okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah the um, and, didn't help, but the medication did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and to that psychiatrist do better. Okay. Yeah. Just do better. All right. A little bit of uh, acknowledgement, validation, affirmation, and reassurance goes a long way. Something. Just mm-hmm. yeah, something. Okay. Well, just to jump into kind of our, uh, our, our last thing here. Um, and, and before we get into that, I, I want to thank you both again, Kyra and Danica for coming on here, sharing your stories, being vulnerable and just promoting and, you know, waving the banner of let's talk about this. We need to talk about these things that are going on. Uh, I can't emphasize that enough and how important that is to, to talk about your problems and to find someone that you can trust with, with these issues. So, um, so the, the last thing that I wanted to talk about is, uh, 
where did you where did you kind of find your your recovery? Because I mean, so this podcast is called Recovering You. Postpartum mm-hmm. depression, it, it takes a part of you away. And that might be the ability to have empathy. That might be the ability to be happy. That might be the energy that you have to, you know, to do anything with your day. At some point in everyone's life, we lose something due to some sort of trauma, addiction, grief, whatever it might be, having a child. (laughs) At some point, (laughs) these big life events do something to us and we lose a part of ourselves. And you both lost and there were these pretty deep holes that got created within yourself because you could probably look back and be like, that's not who I used to be. I didn't punch walls. I didn't have these fits of rage. I didn't think about killing myself, you Mm -hmm. know? And so what, what was it that you kind of lost? How did you recover that? My sense of sanity. (laughs) (laughs) I lost my sense of sanity and I don't know if I have it yet. Um, (laughs) uh, No, but in reality, um, there I feel like I've come a long way. I am not fully recovered. I still struggle. I still experience bouts of rage. Um, and that's okay. And it's okay. It's okay. And the the really beautiful thing is I have um I have a whole toolbox of things that I can go to. Um I have years of counseling. I I mentioned at the beginning, I am not new to depression and anxiety I'm not new to therapists I've got some really incredible things that I've learned throughout my many many years of seeking help and not seeking help um I use life coaching um I am a dancer so I dance and that feels so good to me Um, I exercise, I try to take good care of my body and you know what, sometimes taking good care of my body means eating the damn pizza (laughs) when I just want the pizza, like, and it's listening and honoring, um, my feelings and my desires. Um, and so, um, one of the things that with my first, and I think the timing of this was really beautiful and divine. Um, it was right after Brene Brown release, um, Braving the Wilderness. Yeah. Okay. Excellent book. Oh my gosh, guys, like go read it. Um, and I would read it while I was nursing my daughter. And I just remember, um, she quoted Dr. Halifax and said, in saying that there is the in-breath and there's the out-breath. And we have, we think that we have to exhale all the time, but without the inhale, we cannot exhale. And so, um, and and in the context that was like taking the moments to rest, reinvesting in ourselves. Like one of the things that like, for me, I take a shower every single day, every day. That is a non-negotiable and setting non-negotiables for myself was um, and continues to be super important in recovering me because it's so easy to get stuck in the diaper changes, bottles, you know, potty training, get the kids off to preschool, like all the things 
cleaning the house, doing the dishes, you know, taking care of everybody else's world, we have to take care of our own world. We have to take care of us. And so setting non-negotiables for myself, saying, you know what? I need to rest. I am going to honor my need to rest. And I'm going to go to bed with a dirty kitchen because I need to rest. And that's okay. Mm. I need to take care of my shower. I, For me, like a shower is like the most healing thing. I love just like feeling the water, <laughs> like something about it just like is really connecting for me. It is. It's, it's you time and it's self-care. Yes. And yeah. so I'm like, by golly gee, I don't care what time of day it is. I will take a shower Yeah, and having those non-negotiables, I think, and those non-negotiables can change, mm-hmm. but knowing that there is something there that is just for you. And investing in yourself and giving yourself the permission to take care of you is so important because we spend so much of our time taking care of literally everyone and everything else. Yeah. It's exhausting. I, I love that. That's beautiful. Give yourself the permission to take care of you. That's that's awesome. Um, wow. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. Danica, awesome. <laughs> Kyra, good luck following that. Exactly. It is um it's really oh, I mean just everything she was saying just <laughs> felt that in my soul. Yes. For me it was a shower, yes. And baking and yes. going out with friends, socializing, yes. just to be happy, to be with people. I mean, this past few years have just been so isolating for the whole world. Mm-hmm. And that was what, I'm a very social person. So not being able to talk to people and just have fun and go places and be, that was really hard for me. So finally coming back to that was life-changing. That's really yeah. what's helped. It was helping healing me. I wondered, now that we're talking, because I don't know if I've talked to anybody else who's even further in their journey of postpartum depression. I wonder if, if it is something you can fully heal or if it's, I remember talking to my dad who suffers with depression and he with clinical depression and he said it's kind of addicting to be sad mm. absolutely which is exactly how I feel no, it is. and I do wonder if that is like it, it takes so much effort for me to I, well, I don't want to say be happy I'm happy often but it's it takes so much effort to not just sink back into those lows um, and definitely doing things for myself baking being with friends exercising eating what I'm baking and not feeling anything guilty or what else. I'm noticing a trend with the food here, Uh, lady. Food is my life. Food food is healing. It is. Food is is healing. It really is. is. Um, But also something that I've now discovered is I don't think I knew emotions, the labels of emotions. I know Mm. anger and sadness, but I didn't know anything deeper. So I've, I did get a therapist uh, recently since we've moved a lot, it's been difficult, but I finally found one I liked and have been going to her. And that has been eye-opening just to know what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it. Life-changing. I just really want to validate the need to socialize because I think one of the things that it does is remind us that we're an independent person. We are unique. We are unique of our children. And I think especially in the early 
months of motherhood where our children are so dependent on us. They need mm-hmm. us for literally everything and it's exhausting. Um, it, it's easy for us to forget that we are a unique being and that we are our own person independent mm-hmm. of our little person. Um, and so giving ourselves the time and the space to socialize and the permission to socialize and say, Hey, you know what? Grandma and grandpa live right down the street. Let's get a babysitter and let's go out. And like, I think that's such a big part of recovering you and who you are, because those Mm -hmm. are the things you did before you had babies. And just because you had a baby doesn't mean you can't go do them again. Um, And so connecting to those things, socializing, the things that make you feel like you, if that's art or music or whatever it is, yeah. so important. Giving yourself permission. I love that you said giving yourself self permission. Mm-hmm. That was my first kid. It was so hard for me to get a babysitter or something, or even oh, when it's I did. Still hard for me. I still I feel so. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. It's a lot easier for me to be like, no, you know what? If they need me, they'll call me. My phone yeah. will always be on. It's okay. I'm just gonna let them suffer if they need to. Yeah. <laughs> okay so um last last question here last little thing Uh, we've given a lot of advice to those that would be going through postpartum depression uh, but it's always of value to recognize the other side of the the table as well so what advice would you give to the family members particularly the husband's Mm-hmm. of those women that are going through postpartum depression, what would you say to them in order to give them a little bit of hope, give them a little bit of advice that would go a long way in, in making the process as kind and easy as possible for those that are going through PPD? I would say just continue to love them. It's so mm-hmm. hard though. Uh, one thing my husband and I, used to do is write letters so when I felt good when I felt okay I wrote him a love love letter and made it as cheesy or whatever as I need to so he had that to hold That's on precious. to I'm realizing now I don't think he knew that he was supposed to read those in the hard times but I feel like that'd be a really nice thing to do um, he should have why didn't he read my mind no um but um, also it's really hard because I feel like postpartum depression manifests in so many ways and so some people just want you to sit with them some people do just want to be left alone some people you know um but yeah just hold hold on it does get better it i does. hope yes. that it can like i hope that's enough <laughs> i don't know no no that that's that that's great um and it, it it reminds me of many times that you know my my wife would be like i'd be like do you want to go on a walk um do you want to watch a movie? Do you want to, you know, you want to kiss, you know, <laughs> what do you want to do? And, and, and she'd be like, honestly, um, can you just sit on the other side of the couch and let me put my feet on you while I read a book? Mm-hmm. And it was something that simple. She's like, I want to yeah. be connected, but I don't want the expectation or the stress of having to connect. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have a conversation. I, and, and other times it was, can we just sit here? Like I would, I could really use a deep and meaningful conversation right now awesome you know and and so we would talk um but and and i i have a tool i want to bring up but danica i want to let you uh talk on this real quick and then then we'll end with that that tool okay go 
I think that the number one, like if I could give anybody this advice, and I think that this goes for anything, communication. It's so important to communicate and it's really hard when you're the one experiencing all of the ick to communicate like what you need. Um, But your partner is probably also experiencing a lot of ick too. And so to, there would be times when my husband would notice that something isn't okay. And to have the ability to say, hey, honey, I think something's up. Can we talk? Um, Or to know that um, different people need different things in different circumstances. And to say, what do you need right here and right now? Is it the, let me put my feet in your lap while I read a book? Or do you need to go for a walk by yourself? What is it that you need in this moment? Um, and, and know that that changes over time. And as long as you guys are open about communicating and like I mentioned, I said some really hurtful things to my husband. Um, one thing that I do know about me is I am very quick to recognize fault in myself. And so I would frequently go back and be like, honey, I'm really sorry that I said that I shouldn't have said that. Um, But to have that open line of communication where if I didn't apologize, he felt comfortable saying, honey, it really hurt when you said this. Um, And so just if I could just emphasize anything is just communicate, communicate with your spouse. Don't try to protect them. Don't try to save them from the anguish that you're feeling. Don't try to put on a a front for them they need to know when you are to the point where you're ready to call the hotline because you want to end your life and you want it like they need to know that you're so angry and there would be times where I would literally hand my baby over to my husband and say honey she's not safe with me right now I'm gonna go take a walk um and just to be able to communicate those things is so 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 valuable and in a in a time in your relationship where you could grow apart the communication is what's going to keep you together and the communication Mm -hmm. is what's going to carry you both through the other side of this trauma because it is traumatic and that's okay you can heal through that but you have to work together and the only way to work together is communication love that communication is key man that was just yes absolutely money i i want to tack on one thought to what you said there and this will be helpful especially for my for my guy my male listeners Mm -hmm. uh sometimes when you ask your wife what do you need in this moment what do you need me to do all you've done is given your wife another task that she needs to figure out and that might that might be too much that that in and of itself could be like i don't know like i i don't know what to tell you just just and it usually comes open out your as eyes like, and do the damn dishes. Yeah, yeah. It, it usually comes out as like a, a, a rage response or something like that. And it's OK to say. I'm I can't tell you what to do if you want to help figure it out. And gentlemen, yeah, when, when you can tell your wife is in that kind of spot, you know, the typical things that will ease your wife's burdens, mm-hmm. you know, the things that are going to make her life a little bit better. It might be a crumble cookie. 
in my wife's case, order that makes things a lot pizza. better. Yeah, just it order might be. Dinner. Yeah, it might Don't be order dinner or. <laughs> Or come home and just start yes. making dinner. And she mm-hmm. she's gonna she's gonna come out of whatever room she is and be like, What's happening? Hold on a second. <laughs> and be like, oh my gosh, this was like my biggest stress today. And gentlemen, you're gonna be on cloud nine. And mm. she's I mean, mm. she's just gonna love you for it. So remember that it it's always good to not always have to ask, you know, what do you need me to do? Because then you become another child for her to guide and babysit. So keep thank that in you. Mind. That is gold. That That is gold. Seriously. That was the biggest. That's honestly. Yes. I've got a great wife that teaches me these things very well. She is great. She is great. (laughs) Um, Okay. So the last little tool I was going to talk about that came up. uh, This is, uh, this is a huge one. And this honestly changed my marriage. Um, And this, it was taught to me by the wise Cody Hawes. And I've talked to a little bit about it before, but I want to bring it up again because it was such a small little tidbit, I think all the way back in season one of my show. And it's, uh, it's called AVR, Acknowledgement, Validation, and Reassurance. Mm. So when you are having a difficult conversation or your spouse comes to you and they are not in a good place, the best thing you can do is not try and fix the problem. The best thing that you can do is, number one, acknowledge you know what? I can tell you are going through a really hard time right now. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you are in such a dark place. I want you to know how much I love you and how much I care for you. And I'm here for you. And I'm so grateful that you came to talk to me. You have all of a sudden, just all of a sudden, you know, they're like, okay, I've been heard. And that that's what they need in that moment. And then, and then you validate. I really appreciate the fact that you have come to me and you have spoken to me and you've communicated this with me. Now I know where you are at. That took a lot of guts. That took a lot of strength. And I'm so proud of you. Again, we haven't fixed any of the problems, but now they're even more heard. Now they're more, now they know that their problems are, someone is aware of them and they're not alone in this. And then the reassurance of no matter what, we're going to get through this together. I'm here for you. I love you. It's going to be okay. That is what needs to happen in these difficult conversations, in these difficult moments. We have to acknowledge, validate, and reassure. That doesn't mean we fix the problems. That doesn't make things go away, but that does make the bond between a husband and wife stronger because there's no judgment. There's just love. And Kyra, that's what you said earlier that, that you recommend, you know, just continue to love that person. Mm-hmm. Loving that person doesn't sit, doesn't mean you go, you know what, you're being a real jerk. I'm going to take the kids and give you some space. You know, that, that that's not, I mean, sure. I guess you gave them some space and that's what they ultimately said they wanted, but that the wasn't very kind of, yeah. it doesn't make them feel very loved. So this is like the ultimate love response. And that's why I absolutely love this tool to it's once again, AVR, learn it, practice it. And it's going to come off as a little bit fake at first. It really is. And for those ladies that listen to this, if it comes off a little fake, he's trying. Okay. (laughs) Give him the credit for trying smile. Just recognize the fact that, Oh, he's trying to be sweet right now. What an awesome man. (laughs) And, but after, after a while, gentlemen, and this, this is the coolest part is you, you really start to see 
your spouse in a totally different light. And you no longer become that guy that is emotionless, cut off and absent from what they're feeling. They don't have to go to their friends or a, or a therapist or their parents to find that validation and that, that lightening of burden. They can go to the person who's right there in the walls of their home, who's supposed to be their, their eternal companion, their, their number one. All of a sudden you are the number one. You're the first thing they go to, the per first person they want to tell, their ultimate wingman, their, their right-hand mm -hmm. man. And that's where we need to be. So anyway, that's my little soapbox moment and my, my tool that I wanted to share there. So, and I'm, both, uh, both of the ladies are smiling, so I must have said something right. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, anyway, once again, thank you so much. Um, I, I, I had one other thought and that was just after, you, as you guys were talking about this, I don't know how many PPD groups are out there on social media. I really don't think it'd be a bad idea to start groups though, to, to find groups in your community, find your community page and say, Hey, anyone out there that has struggled with PPD, I'm starting this group. Here's the link to it. Just so you know that you have people that have gone through what you, what you're going through. Cause that's the biggest thing with what with the struggles people have is typically they think no one, no one understands. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm alone in these struggles. Not true. You're not alone. You are never alone. You can always find someone and there are ways to do that. So, um, and Danica and Kyra would be a great resource <laughs> as well. So, <laughs> uh, you're both rock stars. Thank you so much for jumping on this and, and being a part of this with me. Uh, any, any parting wisdom for those that have listened? Oh my gosh. I feel like I could like just talk forever. Oh, I, I know this has been such an awesome conversation. This needs to be like a three part oh, series. Um, oh, no, I really actually could be though. Yeah. <laughs> it could. Um, I just, I, I don't journal much, but I did kind of look back through when I do journal, I like take notes in my phone usually in the dark hours of the night when I can't sleep um and so I just kind of looked back at the time right after I had my first daughter and I actually um had pulled out some quotes from Brene Brown's book um Braving the Wilderness that I had thrown in a note just so that I wanted to remember them um and as I was reading them in preparation for this, I just felt so drawn to this quote again. Um, and it's just a simple statement that she wrote that the truth about who we are lives in our hearts. Um, and what I know from my experience is the whole time I knew that it wasn't me. I knew that the way that I was feeling was not authentic to who I am. And that gave me the power to wrestle through and to come out on the other side because the truth about who I was, I'm a good mom. I'm a damn good mom. Okay. I love my babies and I take really good care of them. And we have a wonderful life together. The truth about who I am as a mother, as a woman, as a, like all of all of who I am was there in my heart the whole time. And that it, in those moments, it was like the postpartum depression put a blinder on and I couldn't see who I was. 
And so trust your heart, trust who you are, trust that it's going to be okay and that you're going to make it out on the other side. Wow. Well, on that note, I don't think there's really much more that needs to be said. That was, that was so powerful. You two have just blown my mind today. Oh man. Uh, I feel completely fed and, and full and just enriched by everything that you said. I'm so proud to know you and to call you friends. And um, thank you for, for being a part of this podcast. And I just, I love you both. Thank you so much. Love you too, Ginger. Yeah, I love you, Ginger. <laughs> oh, well, thank, thank you all for joining us and thank you for listening in. I, I hope you've gained a lot from this and uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week on Recovering You. Remember, your story is unique and can make a huge difference in the lives of others. If you feel the desire to share your story on Recovering You, please don't hesitate to reach out to me at recoveryu2 at gmail.com with the number two. Or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash recoveringyoupodcast. That's facebook.com forward slash recoveringyoupodcast. podcast.